Good evening. You are listening to a Rad Religion Broadcasting Premier Podcast TV party tonight. I'm your host, Konnichiwa. The mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Rattledge. And this is... I already said that. And tonight, our favorite show is Cobra Kai Season 4, brought to you by the good people at Netflix and a whole bunch of other production companies. Don't care what's up. Uh, season 4 debuted December 31st, just in time to enjoy your New Year's. And joining me tonight, uh, we were supposed to have David Wright. I don't know where he is in time, but I, I hopefully he'll catch up with us. But uh, instead, jumping in... Because he loves this show, loves it, then he loves his own mother, loves it, then he loves beer and hookers. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Pat Mullen. Whoa! 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 How you doing, Pat? How's everybody doing? I am so excited. This is the season I've been waiting for since this show came back. Is the Karate Kid 3 your favorite of the Karate Kid uh, trilogy? Oh, absolutely. Yeah? Absolutely. Why do you love it so much? Well, we're going to talk about prime reason number one tonight, which is Terry Silver. Sure. Uh, prime reason number two, it's logically the most sensible movie because it teaches you that violence is only overcome by better trained violence. And that's mm -hmm. the only way you stop violence is with better violence. Okay. Interesting. Karate Kid 3, from what I remember, um, taps into Daniel LaRusso's inability to control his anger. And it's that anger that gets manipulated by uh, by Terry Silver and Crease uh, into sort of laying waste to his entire like social sphere. You know, he ends up losing a girlfriend temporarily and just sort of losing his sense of self. And he has to find his center again with Mr. Miyagi and the little um, river band. And the little river band. That's what I remember about Karate Kid Part Three. It's interesting that that's your favorite, considering I think that's everyone's like least favorite of those three. I mean, they'll, they'll top it later with the girl one, and then <laughs> and then the uh, Will Smith's kid. But the, the, the biggest problem with the Karate Kid Three is its placement in the trilogy. Okay, because you go from the original underdog story where he learns karate to defend himself against bullies and wins mm -hmm. respect and you know self confidence and learns a lot of life lessons. Then he goes to Japan and he fights for his life, literally, right, against yeah. Chosen. That really should have been the third one. Yeah. And then we come back down to a fight again in a tournament for points and for revenge. This should have been the second movie. And then yeah. they could have gone to Japan where they raised the stakes again. The right. stakes didn't feel as high in the third one. But there's also a special memory I have of the third one where I hadn't seen it, gosh, I don't know, probably about 10, 12 years Mm -hmm. And it was 2007, and I had just broken up with my college girlfriend, and I just excommunicated a bunch of people. And I was not feeling great, and I caught the movie about 20 minutes in, mm -hmm. and I found a lot of the plot. And I'm watching, and it's at the point where they do the big reveal where John Kreese jumps out from behind the stat, the cardboard cutout to scare Daniel. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> like it was like such like a well executed like pro wrestling surprise. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is amazing. This is great. And like I just I, I love that part of it, and I love the the fact that yeah the the way he beat the superior violent thug was to learn better violence to stop him. 
That's that's uh, an interesting point. Let's get into season four. And the reason why we started with Karate Kid Part Three is at the end of season three, um, uh, Chris had taken over the Cobra Kai dojo. Uh, he had sort of made it a haven for bullies. A lot of the people that the kids had been fighting over the course of the previous two seasons, um, almost three, had now migrated into there. And the you know and the kids that started there felt like they didn't have a place. And so you had. You know, LaRusso's kids and at Miyagi-Do, you had the kids that were still loyal to uh, to Johnny. And then Johnny and Danny decided they were going to team up against Kreese. And it was and where we left off was basically whoever won the All-Valley Tournament, the next upcoming All-Valley Tournament, their dojos got to stay. The other dojos had to close down. So where we pick up with Karate Kid, with um, Cobra Kai Season 4, is Johnny and Danny trying to get along and figure out how their styles are going to mesh together. We're going to come back to that because the other thing that happens at the end of season three, which is where I want to start is the reintroduction of apparently your favorite character in this entire series, the entire Gary franchise, Silver, the entire franchise. Um, it uh, Thomas Ian Griffith as Terry Silver is brought back. So let's talk about that. Um, the whole reintroduction of his character is that he's, after having lost uh, all the things in in Karate Kid Part Three, he's found you know he got lost for a little while. He found his way. He made some more money. He you know sort of retired to a life of leisure, and he thought he pulled all that behind pulled all that behind him. And then Crease says, "You never really lose your true self." This is what you are deep down inside. You've just buried a lot of silk and nonsense on top of it. But deep down inside, this is who you really are. And it's an interesting conflict in the beginning because Terry says something that I thought really, really, really resonated with me. He was like, John, we tortured a teenage boy. <laughs> you know? I maybe, was high on cocaine. <laughs> maybe this isn't like whatever, whatever gripe you have with Johnny and Danny at this point, we're all grown men. This is like 20, 30 years later. Can we not get past this? And Martin Chris is like, and, and John Chris is like, no, we can't. They, somebody has to, there has to be a winner. There has to be a loser. And it's they who must lose. And, uh, uh, and he sort of, drags Terry back into the situation. And over the course of the season, you get to see this interesting relationship to, uh, between them. There was a lot of flashbacks to them. And I think season three where, you know, uh, yeah. we see Terry's loyalty to, I am going to let you in. I promise. Uh, there is a lot of loyalty to um, from Terry to, uh, to John for saving his life. Pay attention. Cause that's going to come back later. Um, and now, and John keeps reminding him of that. Like, where would you be without me? You'd be dead. You'd still be in a prison camp. And he's constantly bringing that up and constantly bringing that up to the point where Terry finally has enough of it and he gets his sort of comeuppance at the end. But, um, I just, I wanted to throw out some of those details out there so that we had something to start with. What did you think of Terry and John this season? I, I loved it because... You know, as we watch through, we've, we've established in the, the new continuity, I guess, that, uh, we can call it in the Cobra Kai series, mm -hmm. that, we've that we've always been trained to look at Kreese as the big bad. This is, right. you know, Daniel has the line, what did you think you were going to get when you brought this demon back? You know, mm -hmm. as if he'd been exercised in the end of Karate Kid Part 3. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you think that, and then we get the little tease at the end of Season 3 where he makes the phone call to Terry and Karate Kid, part, part, uh, Karate Kid Part 3 fans, 
uh, for you know myself, obviously a super fan. My buddy Brandon, who's listening tonight, huge super fan. Where we used to do lines from that movie back and forth at work just to amuse each other. Mm-hmm. Um, also, huge Terry Silver fan. Um, we know that, like in reality, like as as evil as Crease is, because he's a physical tool, Crease is a much bigger picture. Or Terry is a much bigger picture tool because of his resources, because of his mentality versus John's very simple strike hard, strike first. Mm-hmm. Whereas you know, Silver has the ultimate means of he's a master manipulator and knows how to pull that and pull people into his world and do these things, which Daniel tries to warn Robbie about this year. Um, and even Shannon, Johnny's ex-wife, who has just completed rehab, easily picks up on, oh, yeah, this guy wants something. Why would he just come here and offer Robbie this and money? And Right. And it, Terry Silver is – the one guy who got Daniel to break away from Miyagi at a certain point and turn mm-hmm. on him. And when you can do that, you're a pretty evil guy. It's a different kind of evil that you're dealing with now. And I liked what you said about one's got one's looking at the smaller picture, sort of the immediate thing. Like all John Kreese wants to do is teach Cobra Kai. Like that's it. He's not, you know, this whole his whole thing with Daniel LaRusso, if Daniel LaRusso would just pack up his family and move <laughs> and he could just continue to teach Cobra Kai unfettered, he'd be happy. He has reached Shangri-La. That is nirvana for him. But, you know, Daniel LaRusso sees Cobra Kai, as he's always seen it, as a haven for bullies, as a sort of a bully factory. And so they are naturally at odds. And so everything John Kreese does is in the service of getting the obstacles out of the way so that Cobra Kai can resume its business of creating uh, of creating martial artists. And, and Terry Silver, which we realized by the end of the season, is like, no, 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 no. You're, you're thinking much too small. You're thinking much too locally. This is an opportunity to expand this thing. And it's like, you, you know, you said before, like he's like the master, manip- he's the master manipulator He's not only manipulating Danny, he's not only manipulating Robbie, he's also manipulating John. And that's something that I think as you're watching the series and you see kind of the give and take between Kreese and Silver, where Kreese kind of pulls rank on him based Mm -hmm. on their stance in the U.S. Army, um, where John was captain and Terry served under him. And, you know, you see their methods kind of get questioned and everything and Kreese starts to take some of it is like a personal encroachment on his standing within his students where, you know, the big one was Terry saying everybody has a weakness. And mm. John is like, you made me look weak in front of my students by saying I have a weakness. Like they should not perceive that I have a weakness mm-hmm. and just little things like that throughout with them disagreeing with each other during the tournament about tactics as they're going on. And you see that stone kind of turn one way where crease who's been the hammer is now all of a sudden pulling back on that. Right. Which, I don't love him. We'll talk about that later, but we will see- because I actually, because of why it happens, is the reason yeah. why I'm. I, I think it was a good character choice, but we'll get there. And you know, we see Terry going back to the old Quicksilver method stuff, mm-hmm. like during Tori's fight with uh, uh, Larusso, and he's like, "She ran into your elbow. Man can't yeah. see. She can't fight." And these are all <laughs> things they're bringing back from the Karate Kid three idiom that have still, you know. Mm-hmm. stayed with him because they worked and it's true right. you know but he's reestablishing that and there's the people who called it like a split personality <laughs> that <laughs> silver has it's not a split personality scenario it's more again 
Priest kind of hit the nail on the head. You, this is you. You've just buried it under all this silk and nonsense, and <laughs> I'm bringing you back. And then, you know, sure enough, at the end of the, the episode where we see him go down to the wine cellar mm. and he throws a spinning wheel kick at Cayman Wines, which is, of course, from Robert Mark Cayman, who is the writer of The Karate Kid, The Karate Kid Part 3. Very nice. Two. Little Easter egg in there for everybody. Um, but it's also that kick he throws is the first kick we see him throw in the franchise, too. So uh, it's, it's a little nice little tip of the hat. And then, of course, the symbolic tying of the ponytail. <laughs> to go from Terrence to Terry was a beautiful touch. Um, I love this character so much. He has the best lines in any of the movies in three. It's so great. He's interesting. Um, you you brought up the the bit where he put, where he's he talks about John Kreese's uh, weaknesses, you know, and everyone and he's not wrong. Everyone does have weaknesses. That's part of being a human being. But John Kreese. And it's so weird because we're so used to seeing him as like a just a big monster bully villain character. Um, we don't definitely over the course of the movies and to a degree over the course of the show, um, we don't get to see much of his personality. I mean, in that we talked about him gaslighting uh LaRusso's wife in, in season three a lot. A lot. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of that sort of thing. You know, we, we talked about that actually in the last Cobra Kai review about how how he's always like one step ahead of everyone around who is reacting emotionally. And he's just remaining calm and letting them walk right into the bear traps. But then you have Silver who kind of goads him into behaving the way that he does. And what you see about John, which doesn't really show its head until this season, is just how small of a man he is. Like, you think... And I know part of the reason why the show appeals to you is that it deals with manliness. You know, in a world that bandies about the term toxic masculinity, here is a show that shows what masculinity can be and, and you know what it can what it can truly be, without having the the negative uh, terms around it like toxic. Uh, that's that's certainly one of the big appeals to the show. Um, and so we look at John Kreese, and he's. He, he's his characters like, you know, cheat to win and winning at all costs and yada, da, 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 da. And what you realize about him, especially in the scene with the, you know, everyone has a weakness. Well, I don't have a weakness is how small of a human being he actually is, how in dire need of validation and praise and this and to be seen by children. And I really have to stress this point. He has this need to be seen by impressionable children as perfect. Because the adults aren't buying his nonsense, but the kids are lapping it up. Not even, not even perfect, mm -hmm. but just unbeatable. I guess would be yeah. the, the word to use. Where he can't be defeated. He can't be defeated physically. He can't be defeated mentally. He can't be defeated strategically. Mm -hmm. He 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 is the the he is the ultimate. That that that's what it is. I remember and, when we met him, he was a like a homeless vet. You know, he had lost everything. In a Again. world full of adults, he is he he is seen as insignificant. But he but in this small little fiefdom that he created, and then you know, and retook for himself, he's a god king. But it, but it has to be once again be stressed that this this doesn't work unless it's children in his kingdom. Know your subjects, <laughs> and and that's what he's done. And, mm -hmm. and to his credit, Marty Cove plays this part really really well, and they give him a lot to work with in this season that we hadn't seen from him. Mm -hmm. The the initial stuff where he crashes Terry Silver's party at his estate, he, he's very good. Oh, yeah. And 
yeah, like just drawing these reactions out where he has, uh, you know, the, the one uh, friend at, the, at Terry's party is like, a, you have a perfect blah, blah, blah jawline. <laughs> and you expect him to kind of be like, I'm going to break yours. And he's like, thank you. And the only <laughs> thing where he gets a little perturbed is when someone says, I didn't know you had a karate phase. And he's like, right. karate is not a phase. It's your life. And then you can see him trying to put the hooks into silver at that point. Mm. And, and we see this kind of, he gets to the tipping point on his roller coaster. Mm-hmm. And instead of going down that, you see him pull back. And I, I don't want to do go this far, you know. And, mm-hmm. and again, this is you've you've brought down the storm. Now you get the thunder. The interesting- you reached out to this 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 evil mm-hmm. man and you right. wanted him back. Now you've got him back. Do you forget what you guys tried to do in, in the continuity of this series together? Right. It the writing is so good in the show. It's one of the best written shows on, on TV right now, which is really funny because it's Leo. You know, who would have thought one of the best avenues you see what you see what wins awards, and you would you wouldn't think that Cobra Kai would be one of those shows, but it absolutely is. Well, you wouldn't have recognition would. for it. But anyway, um one of the, your fucking golden globes. They are a thing that exists and at least some degree of a measurement of quality. Anyway, um, one of, the, one of the things about the writing of this show that I find so impressive is you're led to believe that Terry is the one that's unraveling over the course of the season. Like when he beats uh, Stingray, when he beats up Stingray and you're like, oh, my God, he's completely becoming unglued. He's unraveling. And you realize this is all part of an elaborate plot to unseat the king. And again, how can I not love somebody who violently assaults Stingray? <laughs> Yeah, Stingray's a Stingray's a ridiculous. I love that actor. That but that that actor, oh, he's, yeah, he's great. Yeah, that that he's a very good actor. Um, and he plays those parts really, really well. And you would think like they just really just got some fat loser off the street. And it's like no, he's an actual actor. That's a character. Yeah, he's I mean, we we uh, when there was the review of uh oh gosh the show with uh Frank Grillo and uh, uh the Jonas Kingdom? brother the, the Kingdom. Yeah, yeah, he's great in that as Jimmy. Yeah, he is. Playing, he's playing something of a similar part. Um, <laughs> Did you ever see the movie that he was in where he plays the like the, the security guard at I think it's like the Boston uh, Marathon with the bombing? Oh yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it, but I've heard he's phenomenal in it. He's he's very good. I, I remember him all the way back to his first part as a juggalo on "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia." Oh God, he's on that. He was on that show. He was on a couple episodes. Yeah. Nice. Richie, Richie's a hell of a kid. Um, but yeah, so again, the violent assault on Stingray where it's like, oh man, and he sees drank half a bottle of whiskey at this point. Right. And much like me, it only fuels his brain to work smarter mm-hmm. when you drink a half a bottle of whiskey. When uh, we can talk about this now so that we can transition to something else, but when when the when it's finally revealed that this was all an elaborate setup so that he could get um crease arrested and out of the way because he because it's like this isn't about the fight with daniel larusso who gives a shit about daniel larusso this is about be, you know building an empire of cobra kai dojos i just want to make sure this time we win and he he's just he's just shedding the dead weight which is such a weird thing to say about crease because on the one hand, he's just this bigger than life figure, but then when you when you draw back and you just see how big the scope is, you're like, oh, he's just a he's just a bug. He's a bug on the windshield. He's and, just a small rock. Yeah, and and even even from the beyond the manipulation standpoint, to really mm-hmm. establish Silver as a threat, mm-hmm. we saw Crease fight Johnny like mano a mano, 
And Johnny was getting the better of it essentially until, mm-hmm. you know, Robbie got involved and then Chris hits him in the back of the head with a sigh. And uh, <laughs> then he, then he puts him in a choke and tries to take him out. But Johnny was pretty much giving as good as he was getting, if not winning that fight. Right. A fresh Johnny gets called to fight Terry Silver and is summarily beaten mm-hmm. after also learning new techniques. Right. In very easy, short order fashion by Silver. Right. So, Who's got to be what, in his 60s? Well, the cool part about Thomas Ian Griffith is his character wasn't even a martial artist in the third one when they wrote him. Mm -hmm. But he was a real-life martial artist. And so Pat Johnson, who plays the referee in the first one and the third Mm -hmm. one, saw that. And they were like – and he was very impressed by him because he was a legitimate black belt. He's like, oh, no, we need to change this and put you in. Right. And so, you know, it looks like he's never stopped doing martial arts to some extent (laughs) because he's still in really good shape. That's a hell of a wheel kick he throws, isn't it, when he hits the wine bottle? Oh yeah, and but in real life he is younger than Ralph Macchio. Mm-hmm. Um, is he which really? Was part of the, yeah, it was part of the funny part about Karate Kid Part Three. He's actually younger than Ralph Macchio in that movie. Um, he is fifty nine years old. Ralph yeah. Macchio was older than fifty nine. Good God! And and in that movie, in the third one, again, like he's very young playing a guy who's already been through yeah, Vietnam. They are so almost the same age. He's fifty nine, and uh, Ralph Macchio is sixty. Yeah. Okay. Ahead, so he's sorry. younger. Um, <laughs> okay. But, yeah. But now he's supposed to be older than that, obviously, having yeah. written, being written and served in Vietnam with Crease in the 70s. And, you know, so again, beats the piss out of Johnny really effortlessy. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, oh, it looks like LaRusso taught him some defense. Still <laughs> kicks his ass. Yeah. It's... So when we leave season three, and then we'll move on to some other characters, when we leave season three, um, John Crease, Martin Cove, can I just say, I, I was thinking it as you were talking, but I didn't want to interrupt you. <clears throat> Martin Cove, over the course of the last few seasons, has displayed such charisma, like a weird, really alluring kind of charisma. So I'm really surprised he wasn't more of like a leading man at the height of his career, because the only other thing I can remember him in Rambo. is Rambo, yeah. First Blood Part 2. And it's like, I, he's, I know he's done other stuff. But like he's not somebody you think of as like a big leading man person. But like how how did people miss out on the kind of charisma he displays in season three and then especially in season four to you know to it's like a coiling snake and you're like how did you not get more work? I, I yeah I yeah. he his range particularly at the beginning and midpoints of the season I think is mm-hmm. probably his best. Yeah, um, and I think it's because they've given him more progressively as the show has gone on. I don't think people knew what they had with him. They may you know, not they, have. They 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 brought him in as the you know because William Zabka is is supposed to be the villain of the Karate Kid, um and you know and Martin Cove is just his coach, and I don't think they knew at the time when you know when they when they even when they were filming it it was just like we just need you to be a heavy here we don't need you to be the fo- the, the focus but and then really the focus that, is Ralph Macchio his his delivery of certain lines in that mm-hmm. it should have clued them in like you know when when. Miyagi first brings Daniel to the, the dojo to mm-hmm. like you know beg him to stop beating the crap out of him till he's ready. <laughs> Nobody touches the prima donna. <laughs> You're a pushy little bastard, ain't you? But I like that. <laughs> so good. Anyway, he gets and then dragged he gets off. outdone by Thomas Ian Griffith, which is fine because everybody does. He gets dragged off by the cops, and such a funny line. Silver goes, Johnny, what did you do? <laughs> and and see a fork him, tongue come out. <laughs> he's embracing that Karate Kid three version of him so much at that point. Oh, it, yeah. The first thing I thought of was he has Daniel like smash a guy's face in in Karate mm-hmm. Kid Part Three at a dance club because mm-hmm. he bribes the guy to go hit on Daniel's friend. 
And uh, <laughs> so he, he like grabs him. He grabs the guy and like Daniel nails him. And then he's like, come on, we got to go. We got to go. And like drags Daniel out of the club. Like they run. And he's like, that was beautiful. You didn't even think you just nailed him. And he was like, no, no, that's not me. I got to go. He's like, Danny, I had no choice. You did the right thing. And then you just see him like grin. And it's like, oh, you evil bastard. I love you. Like I said, every time he delivers a line, I expect a forked tongue to come out. Um, but, but the best line he ever delivered, I'm going to leave it here. It's in Karate Kid Part 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Mike Barnes comes out. He revealed the whole evil plan to him about how they've been manipulating him this entire time. And, he go, and Daniel at one point just goes, I'm not going to fight you. And then Silver goes, you don't have to. You just stand there and let him kick your ass. <laughs> so good. And I'm like, oh, this guy's great. Um, so, yeah. So at the, so where we leave off with the two of them, he gets dragged away by the cops. Terry Silver is free to do, you know, thinking he's done with LaRusso. He's gotten, you know, he's done with LaRusso. He's done with Johnny. Um, he, he feel, you know, he feels like he's gotten rid of John Kreese. The world, the, the world is his oyster. The way, the way is paved. Nothing's going to stop him now. That's where we leave it. Yes. Um, all right. So we needed to talk, you know, I don't want the entire hour to go by. We don't even dress the two main characters of the show. So let's talk about them next. Yeah. We'll talk so, about Ken yeah. and Ryu. I mean, uh, Daniel and Johnny. <laughs> Ken and Ryu, right. So where we left off with season three is they had decided to join forces. And what comes out over the, at least the first couple of episodes is how, if it wasn't patently obvious for the first three seasons, it becomes even more obvious with season four that Johnny's way of doing things is sort of, you know, a confrontational, masculine, aggressive way where over the course of three seasons, he's learned to temper the bully aspect of that. And and you see this when 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 Danny breaks the iPad uh, in his son's room, that there is sometimes a need as a as a father, as a man to show a bit of aggression, to show to show tempered masculinity. Um, there's absolutely a need for it. The world can't live without it. I don't I don't care what any someone on the far left thinks. You're wrong. The, 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 there's, as long as there are humans, you need this aspect of it, this part of the human condition. That is what the show talks about. And so Johnny has sort of found that corner of the world where he operates pretty well in. And over the course of this, over the season, the kids even learn to trust that in him. And it works out for them to one degree or another. I think what frustrated me about the season between the two of them is you see them come to an agreement at the end of season three that they need to work together. They need to figure, you know, for three seasons now, they've been getting, they've been finding a place to get along. They've, They've figured out a truce between them. And then almost, and then I feel like because we need a whole season of drama to deal with, it almost is instantly forgotten. Like every, I feel like everything between Johnny and Danny went out the window and they went right back to being season one towards each other for the sake of dragging this p- bit of drama out between them. And it, and it's kind the only thing about this show I felt was a little weak in the writing. Kind of, but I, I will support the writing and how it was done where a lot of times people will immediately jump into something and be like, yeah, we're going to do this together. And, you know, you, you make this agreement because, you you know, look at what they left at at season three where they have this knockdown, drag out, near-death fight with Kreese mm-hmm. at and outside the Cobra Kai dojo at the strip mall. Right. Threatening to stay away from our kids. And, you know, when and you're your parent. Obviously, a lot of times when it comes to kids, it's no-think process. It's I will kill you if you touch my child type sure. thing. Or you threaten my child or you endanger the life of my child, whatever. Um yep. And obviously, Sam is Daniel's daughter. 
you know, dealing with a post home invasion at this point. Right. Um, yes. Johnny, just, just a little breaking and entering. Johnny has seen, you know, this guy latch onto his own son, and mm -hmm. on top of that, try to injure and assault his adopted son. You know, in many ways, Miguel. Mm -hmm. So there's that whole parent mentality of defending my child at all costs. I don't care. And they didn't really think about what was involved in that before you get into it. It's uh, you know, I hear we're, everyone. We're having a baby I... on a one night stand and we decide we're going to get married and that'll fix everything. You're a hundred percent right. I don't disagree with you. I think where my frustration, if I could kind of draw back and sort of look at it again, as I say this out loud, I think my problem is with Danny's character is written to be, borderline mentally retarded at this point i i, I how like he's embracing the rocky is, connection <laughs> i know this is william zabka's show but could you have made ralph macchio any less sympathetic i mean like he starts he starts to change and then he reverts back and he starts to change and, and it's always right back to it's it's like a default setting on your phone where it's like, well, we're back to square one again. We gotta oh, we've built up all this data and we have all these. Oh, we're right back to square one again. This is that's his like everybody else for every single person, including Secretary Silver, progressed in this show. Ralph Macchio is the only one that goes back to default setting. Yeah, and like literally until the very last moment possible, mm -hmm. he doesn't understand what's what what he should be doing and encouraging and doesn't and doesn't embrace the idea that. Uh, oh yeah, by the way, the, the whole entire saying that my mentor through majority of my life has been going through is that there's not just one way. Right. And he finally gets it at the end when it's his well, own daughter. Who's that's still not Pat. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah. I, it's, it's, it, you, you've watched enough television. We've talked about enough television over the years, you know, on and off cast where there comes a point with certain characters where I no longer feel any sympathy for you. You're too stupid. Yeah, and, and I, I I don't know if necessarily it's by design because there's mm -hmm. always the the danger of the nostalgia of the established older film characters outshining the kids and the next generation who the show mm -hmm. is really supposed to be about. Right. So it's almost kind of like they're, they had to do that to push Sam a little bit more into the spotlight in terms of how things are done, which I get. And, and mm -hmm. honestly, if the show is going to continue past the point that we're thinking it is – it's essentially going to phase out most of the older crowd as, as big a role as they have right now and embrace mm -hmm. the next generation. It's going to embrace the, the Miguel's, the Sam's, the Robbie's, the Tories, the Hawks, etc. Um, you know, and phase Daniel back, phase Johnny back, potentially probably phase, you know, silver out and crease, not necessarily all the way out, but out to a certain point compared to where he's been. And it's one of those things where you're seeing kind of how else can they do this so what they did was they made, they made you know, Machio half a retard. <laughs> they, they made Johnny. Um, John Johnny's kind of. I was going to say Johnny's kind of crying, but he has got some emotional stunted growth that he yeah. is rubbing up against, and that, that's why I, I don't get angry at his dumb decisions. He is trying to outgrow pants that are too tight, you know. Whereas Ralph Machio, his character. How many times does he need to be taught the same lesson? And again, you know, Johnny, it's not as though he hasn't, you know, since season one, tried to, to do better, tried to make efforts to get elsewhere. And in certain situations, just gets screwed by circumstance, right. um, you know, more than anything else, which is why he's kind of seen as the sympathetic character like we talked about. And Machio is kind of just uh, this lucky idiot. Um, 
<laughs> in a lot of respects. Um, so, you know, we talked about that. We talked about that. Um, we'll talk about the kids in the tournament and kind of we can go from where everybody goes from there, I guess, unless you got anything kind of more pressing with, with Daniel. But No, I, I think I just needed to address the fact that it drove me crazy. It took until literally the ta-da last moment. Like it, it took till his daughter's fight for him to recognize the value of Johnny's teachings. He has a moment with his son. Um, what are you eating, Pat? Oh, okay. this is sweet chili flavored popcorners. They are excellent snacks for when you've enhanced your snack experience already and need a little bit more. Popcorners. They come in sweet chili variety. They come in white cheddar variety. All available at your local supermarket or, as we call it in Brooklyn, a bodega. Well, you know, that's not one of our sponsors, but I'll tell you who is, and they probably could have helped write Daniel a little bit better. Grammarly. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com slash W2M network. Again, that's getgrammarly.com slash W2M network to download Grammarly for free. All right. Um, well, well, Pat's not currently crunching a bag. <laughs> Let's get into... Um, I, I just I needed to address... That it takes entirely too long, and Danny is entire. I don't like the aspect of Danny's character to where he and, and and like I think even Johnny calls him out for it somewhere in the show, where it's like he he always thinks there's always one way. But that's that was his personality flaw in the first season, and his personality flaw in the second season. And by the end of the third season, he should have gotten past that already. And in the fourth season, he's still doing it to the. To, you know, to the destruction of everything around him, to the you know, and and as a writing choice, there was a way to get him past that sooner than they did. Doing it in the tada nick of time, I felt was a bit ham fisted, a bit rote. Yeah, I, again, seeing that when he picks up on the first aspect where he learns that Robbie basically taught Cobra Kai all the Miyagi Do defense mm -hmm. techniques. So they know what to look for. They know how to defend the same attacks you're going to use against them. Instead of at that point being like, okay, they know your stuff, throw stuff at them that they don't know and haven't been taught. Instead of embracing that immediately, like anyone in that situation would, mm -hmm. he just doesn't get it. The other thing is, you actually just reminded me of this. There's a part in the show where they agree to learn each other's techniques and training styles. So, uh, Johnny spends a day learning balance and defense, and he employs it later on. Doesn't always work out, but he does. He does, in fact, take it seriously. And then there's a whole sequence where he's Daniel got push-ups on his knuckles and climbing chains. Right, fights a hockey team. <laughs> That's where he should have been glued in. But it's like he immediately has amnesia and forgets all about it until his daughter is in peril. Um, at the very, very, very end of the season. That's a transition I want to get into now with the kids. And the first thing I want to say is just in general, the great thing about the writing of this show, despite everything I just said, is I never know where this show is going. Like there are very, you know, we've talked about in the in the vast history of written fantasy, you know, there are characters with plot armor. You know, when when Henry Cavill's The Witcher runs into the room to fight the beast, the little lacking intention, Henry Cavill has to live to go into the next episode. 
You know, um, I talked about this with David and Lost in Space, kind of a similar thing where like they kill they kill Will in like the second or third to last episode. And I told David, I'm like, I don't buy that they actually killed the main character. I, <laughs> you know, he's like, this is the future. He just got stabbed in the heart a little bit. He'll be fine. And um, and so the thing with Cobra Kai is because it plays so well with the idea of who is the good guy and who is the bad guy, who, you know, who is good and who is evil. And it's all a matter of perspective. It's a very, it's a very relativistic show, which is weird for modern mainstream television in America at the very least. I never know who's going to win these fights, especially when they do the tournament stuff. Like I, you could have made a case. It's like, it's like pro wrestling, the best kind of pro wrestling. When you can make a case for either guy winning the match, you know, is it going to be Bobby Lashley? Is it going to be Brock Lesnar? You can make a case for both. Wow. I'm intrigued now. And I want to see what they do with the Royal rumble when it was Robbie and Hawk, which by the way, I'm not gay, but the both of them took off their shirts. It was like, it was like that Henry Cavill thing in uh in a mission impossible where he loads up his arms <laughs> <laughs> i understand there's a, there's supposed to be teenage boys don't take that the wrong way but like they just well, Tanner buchanan beefed up a whole lot before this season man like he was hitting the weights you can see yeah, it. yeah both of them i mean both of them they both take off like the you know, the top part of their gi or gets torn or whatever and so it, it comes they're like in you know in overtime and they're both shirtless and sweaty <laughs> like yikes um whatever <laughs> manly stuff i love it men being men yeah why can't um, peyton list do that uh <laughs> good question we'll talk about her in just a second the old crazy eyes uh but um yeah like I, I, there was a case for Robbie to have won that fight. There was a case for Hawk to have won that fight. There was a case for Peyton List to win her fight, or for um, Mary Mouser to win to win yeah. that fight. Like it really could have gone either way. I had no idea where the show was going, and that was the best kind of dramatic tension. Hundred percent. And again, even even though a lot of the focus of this season has been on the adult war, mm -hmm. there was good in terms of how they tried to develop Robbie. Yeah, with like you know, Robbie is so is so sympathetic. Like I really feel I yeah. and, and I, I got to talk eventually about Peyton the list too. But like Robbie to be on the bully side is one of the most sympathetic and most likable characters in the show. Yeah, and, and it, like he shows he's a lot smarter than he gets credit for mm -hmm. when Daniel's making this plea to him about you know I, I know what Terry Silver's doing to you because he did it to me, and then he finally just goes you know this is what you don't get this is what my dad doesn't get this is what they don't get. I'm using them for my own means. I'm taking everything from all of you guys that I can use for myself and doing what I need to do. Mm -hmm. Like I don't subscribe to your philosophy when I was there. I don't subscribe to Cobra Kai's philosophy. I'm taking the necessary parts of all this stuff to further myself, which is the Bruce Lee Jeet Kune Do theory of <laughs> use what is useful, discard what is useless, right. add your own. Like and yeah, it's also called being an evolved human being. Yeah. Uh, a, a religious, you know, doctrine, a following a, rich, a strict religious doctrine that doesn't necessarily meet, you know, the demands of the day doesn't really help you. Yeah. And, and you know, again, applying it to the martial arts context of what mm -hmm. we're seeing, you know. Yeah, I meant, yeah, you gave me a look. I got a religious in not in the way that people are probably thinking. Go ahead. I, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> He's talking more religious in the sense of Hulkamania. Yes. Okay. So. But again, there's there's that, uh, th and then he's showing like okay, so he's still a wild card in certain respects. Mm -hmm. 
he's got to figure his life out because right. it's either, you know, what am I going to do? Am I going to just grow up and, you know, teach for Terry Silver at a karate studio? Cause that's what my job options are looking like right now. Mm-hmm. But you know, he's still got conflicted relationships with essentially everybody in the show where, you know, he had this mentor figure in Daniel trying to look out for him. Things are bad with him. His own father, you know, things <laughs> have been bad with him and doesn't look like they're getting any better till the very end. You have crease and Terry who he, is embracing the teachings of, but not the way they think he is. Right. And he gets Crease's influence, but tell your girlfriend you call her back. Yeah, that's what I'm working on right now. <laughs> he gets Crease's influence involved there, but he he's not he, he bites into it till he finally gets out of it because he's a kid. Right. Like, you know, he can't just immediately phase out of it and be like, Yeah, I'm I'm great, I'm back, I'm out. No, he's going to get manipulated and he's going to make mistakes and he's going to feel sorry about those because ultimately he is, you know, we talk about weaknesses. Robbie's is mercy. Right. Where they keep saying no mercy. But if you look at his involvement with Kenny Payne, he stomps Kenny unmercifully on the mat and feels horrible about it after. Mm-hmm. You know, and we get a, a brief reconciliation at the end between, you know, Robbie and and Johnny after Robbie loses the final fight to Hawk, which I don't think a lot of us saw coming, mm-hmm. but it was great booking. And then we we see this, you know, I don't know, and he just he, he wants to have a dad again and just reconciles with Johnny at the end. Well, let's talk about that because we meet Kenny Payne. Let's a quick thing on Kenny Payne, great character, the kid who plays him. I love that sort of wild eyed look he has. He you know he gets bullied by. Junior Larusso, Anthony Larusso, yeah, yeah, he gets bullied by Ham, and he starts like a, like anybody, everybody else in the show starts learning karate because he gets tired of getting the shit beat out of him. Um, and of course, because it's Cobra Kai, you know, it's always pushing past the red line in you know into the danger territory. It's never just I've taught you just enough to defend yourself and build up your self confidence. We're gonna go straight to murder everyone around you and anyone that gets in your way. So by the end of the show, he's sort of gone to the dark side. And here's the thing, and it was a it was a great little Star Wars thing. There It was a great little relationship between you know Anakin and Obi Wan, where um, Robbie is trying to mentor Kenny Payne, you know, and he, but he's trying to keep him on the straight and narrow. He doesn't want him to go all the way to the to the dark side. He doesn't want him to go, you know, become a bully in his own right. And Kenny's like, no, 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 no. I I have tasted power and I like it, and I will not give it up. And Robbie goes to his father, having nowhere else to go, and feeling like I have failed the mission. I've lost him, like you know, you've been through this. I don't know who else to talk to anymore about this. And I am now lost. That's why he reconciles with his dad because he's like nowhere else to go. And he's, you know, and he's in pain. And, and it's not as though Johnny spurned him. Johnny's very mm-hmm. clearly made overtures to him. I want a relationship with yeah. you. That's hard to watch, by the way, it is hard to watch. Yeah. William Zabka's character stick his hand out to, to to embrace his son and for his son to bite his hand every single time. Yeah. At, at a certain point, and it's like, I, I made this analogy, you just, you know, read a show about Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to read Daredevil comics. At a certain point, they got very depressing throughout mm-hmm. most of the late 80s and 90s um, because he never won. Any Every mm-hmm. victory was a Pyrrhic victory where he just emotionally got destroyed in some way or another. At a certain point, Johnny needed to win a battle with Robbie in terms of their relationship. Yeah. And I don't mean prove him wrong. I mean, he needed to just get Robbie to take his hand one time. Right. And like, maybe we have hope that there's something there. Yep. Um, and so what I liked, ha- I liked watching them reconcile. I liked, you know, 
there's a bit of redemption there and we've talked about this in many a show redemption is big for me um i don't i feel like it's one of those human Human conditions, human traits that without it, what humanity do we have? What are we doing if we cannot forgive in this yeah. world? And unfortunately, the the want for the reconciliation with Robbie at a certain point also hurts Miguel pretty bad. Well, you brought up Miguel and a couple of things about him. One, this doesn't feel like his show anymore. No. Um, I would say, yeah, this whole season, he felt like he got pushed to the back. Like he, he they minimized his character a lot. Um. He's coming off the back injury, and for the whole season, you know, it's not like they do anything with that. You know, he just his back healed eventually. He went back, you know, um, Johnny got him to walk again. He started doing karate, and he's there in the fight in the house. He's there doing karate and practicing, and like the only sort of tension, the, the only sort of dramatic tension that he has to deal with throughout the show is one, he finds out that Johnny's dating his mom, two. Uh, he still has eyes for Peyton List, and Mary Mouser has eyes for Robbie, and you know they're, they're therein lying the drama. But um, he's essentially a plot device to further the distance between Johnny and Daniel, right? And that's the thing. It's like uh, until he injures him, re-injures himself in the fight, which, by the way, I was convinced he was paralyzed again. Like I don't. <laughs> Just a note on the ADR sound effect there. Don't make it sound like he broke his spine in half. <laughs> Holy! I guess he went to do like the spinning kick that they were practicing on the watermelon, the, the, the flying tornado kick, right? And you hear, and so you hear him do it, and like the camera pans away, and you just, yeah, <laughs> you hear crunch, and I'm like, oh my god, he shattered his spine, and it's like, oh, you just have a pulled muscle. Had I pulled a muscle? <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't sound like your spine turning to tiny pieces of chalk. It really doesn't. <laughs> that was, a, I, I, I don't know. I'd like to slap the sound editor for that one. Yeah. Well, on top of that, his reaction to, you know, and you give him a little break after the thought. Cause you're like, oh yeah, at one point he was paralyzed. So let's, uh, let's make sure we remember that he's probably scared to death that that happened again. Cause he's a kid. Right. Um, you know, and that can happen. The choice so we, to not go back for personal and for physical reasons, I thought was a good one. Yeah. The next thing he does made not little to no sense. I know why he did it. It was just—it just really comes out of left field. I want to take a moment now and bring on David Wright. David, what happened? Just did you sleep through the alarm? Did you forget we were doing this? Where were you, buddy? I was coming home from work. Oh, okay. <laughs> was traffic bad today? Did you just like get stuck out there? No, I had to go into the office, so I, you know, I had to empty transit. Uh, okay. Well, we're glad you made it. We've talked a lot about. We spent the first twenty minutes of talking about Terry Silver. Um, we've been talking kind of about, we were talking about Robbie. We were now just talking about Miguel. I made the statement that Miguel, this, this it feels like they really minimized Miguel this season. What did you think about, uh, what they did with Miguel's writing? Yeah, pretty much. He, he was there, but didn't have a whole lot to do until the end. Yeah. I, that was another one where I, I was I wasn't sure quite where they were going with the fight. And oh, that's right, he was fighting Hawk in that in that sequence. Yeah, yeah. And I wasn't quite sure what they were going to do with it. And then they, you know, they do the thing where he pulls pulls a muscle, um, and then chooses to not go back out there again. And then and then other than saying goodbye to Mary Mouser, he disappears. And then we find out why. Let me. So let's let's talk about that for a second, David. Um, over the course of the season. You have this over the course of really the whole series so far. There's been a father-son relationship developing between Johnny and Miguel, and then there's this sort of flashpoint where 
uh, Johnny gets drunk and in his drunken stupor says, I just want to be a father to you, Robbie. And it breaks Miguel's heart. Nine, ten episodes later, he makes a decision. You know what? I'm done with all of this. I'm hopping a bus to Mexico to go find my ne'er-do-well father. I don't know if anyone knows this or not, but Mexico's big. (laughs) What clues did he have to go find this guy? I I thought the decision to write Miguel that way as going off to Mexico to go find his dad was not that it came out of complete left field, but it was a bit of a bizarre choice to me, Dave. What did you think? I think they've been greenlit to seven seasons. <laughs> okay. Uh, what about you, Pat? The, the hard part about what they do with this ensemble cast is trying to find something for everybody. Mm-hmm. And Miguel has been so front and forward in all of the seasons leading up to this that I almost think they felt like they could marginalize him without losing anything, really, okay. while building up around him. Because... You know, we get other characters who have a little more shine to them this year than they've had in the past. Hawk is one of them. Uh, Tori really gets flushed out more, even though she's gotten some time in the spotlight. Sam gets a little bit more, uh, not in an overall character sense, but just a little bit more with her physicality and her development and mentality, which is kind of cool. Um, And and so we see a little bit more of that on. We get more Anthony LaRusso. Um, which we haven't gotten at all. I, I still don't think he's credited as a regular cast member. I think he gets credited <laughs> on the back end of the episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's almost like we're so invested in Miguel at this point and have seen so much of him that they almost thought they could afford to pull it back until the very end and kind of yeah. do a big reintro to him next season. I feel like it's it's like one of those seasons of Oz where one of the main characters sort of takes a backseat so they can bring in some new characters. But it's not its not like we lose. Miguel Alvarez has been confined to solitary. Yeah, you, damn it, you beat me too, because that's what I was thinking. Like, like we can put Miguel on the back for a while. It's fine. <laughs> we can build him in a few episodes from now. David, I'm going to just kind of give you free reign here. I want to talk about Peyton List, uh, but before I do, what, uh, what did, yeah, yeah, Ra is right. Um, what did you want to bring in? What did you want? What did you have a burning desire to talk about with this show, this season? But he's, yeah, Tori is one of them. I think we're going to get into her. Uh, Let's just do it now, then. Go ahead. Here. Yeah. Oh, I'll well, get into it. Yeah. Like, like for me, like, I, I never actually saw. Checking her age now. Um, <laughs> go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I never actually saw Karate Kid 3. So, uh, so, so the, oh. I, I know it's, it's the one Karate Kid movie I haven't seen. I'm ashamed to say, but. Uh, I'll save but you, I, I'll save you like an hour and a half, David. There's sure. just like a seven minute video on YouTube. Why Terry Silver rocks. Just watch that. Yeah. Yeah, like I've I've seen little clips of it, and I, I I did like the whole montage of you. Know, what was I doing back in the eighties? Cocaine, <laughs> right? Yes, cocaine. That explains it all. That was that that, that was pretty clever. Uh, but uh, yeah, that, that that was my my big joke of the season. Uh, but uh, yeah, so yeah, Tori. Like I, who's like, I think by the way, we are we are allowed to be we are allowed to sound lecherous. She's twenty three. She's she's okay. <laughs> all right, have fun with that. <laughs> Go on, Don. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like I think from our last review, I said that uh, Tori has always kind of felt kind of flat, like she was just psycho girl. Yeah, that just comes out of nowhere and messes stuff up. So it was it was good to see her this season. Yeah, get a bit more depth added to her, her sort of coming to grips with her own actions and the consequences thereof, mm-hmm. and uh, and especially like her her relationship with Amanda and Crease. Mm-hmm. I think that really like just having someone treat her with somewhat kindness, like a bit of of momming. Yeah, Peyton List feels like an actual character this season and not a junior monster. 
she also yeah. significantly toned down the crazy eyes like she you know like the the spirit has left her and she seems normal again um I, she first of all Peyton List is a hell of an actress she, she did a really good job here but I think you're absolutely right I think the, the couple of scenes she has over the course of season four with Amanda uh where you know once again Amanda makes a lot of assumptions about her and is definitely sort of mama bearing her own daughter as she should it's her daughter yeah it makes realize, perfect sense yeah but then you realize you know hey number one there's two sides to every story and two you know maybe xyz wouldn't have happened if abc hadn't happened first and there's a really a great sequence with the two of them i'll let you chime in on this david where like she goes to the restaurant to basically like threaten this 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 girl you know who presumably is a teenager she i guess she's playing 17 and she's you know she goes into the restaurant and she threatens this girl and of course things get out of hand and she ends up getting fired or quitting whichever came first and you know and amanda's just like oh that that got away from me that one you know and like feels <laughs> legitimately bad about it and you as an audience member who you're supposed to be like booing peyton list you're like no 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 i'm i'm, I'm cheering her in this scene like i feel bad that this adult middle-aged woman <laughs> like caused this poor child to lose her job yeah like uh, one thing i'll give credit for uh for Cobra Kai is like we were talking about uh, Lost in Space, how most of the characters are very rational. Mm -hmm. In this show, there's not a lot of rationality. Like you know, <laughs> every, like everyone goes around acting like stupid teenagers. In, in their defense, most of the cast are stupid teenagers, like right. most of the characters. Mm -hmm. though, though it is, I do find it funny that at times the kids seem to be more mature than the adults mm. in certain scenes, but we'll get to the tournament later. Uh, but yeah, like I, I, one thing I found really interesting about the whole Tori Amanda dynamic is it was actually, it was Crease that came in and uh, set Amanda straight. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's yeah. not just it, like it wasn't just crease being crease and you know anything for the dojo, anything to mess with you. He wasn't you gaslighting know. her either, which is No, he was just pointing out like, you know, hey, you don't know what this girl's life is like and you right. and you know just what how what much what you ended up doing to her has hurt her. You might want to think about that going forward and then that sets Amanda to try and uh, sort of make, make amends though yeah. it kind of blows up in her face because you know Tori's just from that culture that sort of culture of well, you know you don't take help from anyone you don't owe anyone in that any, but they've been at odds for you know for x yeah. amount of time now and, and anything coming from the LaRusso family is going to be perceived as poison which is the same problem Robbie has where you have yeah. people you know his father genuinely wanting to help him be there for him and it's like gosh the well is so poisoned at this point Pat yeah. um want to weigh in on on uh Peyton List Tori for this season yeah, so another one who, because of the life situation they've been in, uh, it's you can easily see why she would be a raging psychopath as mm -hmm. they pulled back the curtain a little bit on what you see behind the scenes with the situation with her mother being ill. She's the primary support system other than an assistance check from the government they get. or a con artist. Yeah, so ha has to do these things in order to just get by and survive. And... We get a little bit more tidbits here during this season about what her life is like. And then she's trying to do the right thing and get her life together. And initially, again, Amanda, this one got away from me. I have to make this right. So she sees an opportunity with Tori being allowed back into school if their LaRussos were willing to sign off on it. But she also says, but you need to get help. And when you've lived a life like Tori's, you refuse help at a certain point because you don't trust anybody. Right. This person's not invested in helping me. They want this or they want that. They want to use me for something and then they're going to hurt me and discard me and I'm going to keep my guard up and not let that happen. And, you know, through acts of kindness, both Kreese and Amanda have kind of broken through that to this point. And, and we see that in her a little bit more. 
mm-hmm. we see that she's willing to accept help. She's willing to admit she needs help at a certain point, which is a, the, probably the biggest step for her character, going hat in hand to the LaRusso's door and, you know, getting Amanda. And then all the kind of nonsensical bickering goes away. Um, right. Where we go from the glitter bombing from the little girls to her making fun of her singing and all that nonsense. And we get the actual, you know, the fight that we've been waiting for between them. But it, it, it's almost as though the fight was kind of a catharsis for Tori where she got her trophy, she got her win, she beat Sam LaRusso. But it's not about that anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm also past tainted. this now. We have to address that. It's also tainted. Because right, because as she has the trophy in her hand, we see that Terry paid the referee to... She, would she have beaten uh, Sam had the referee not made some questionable calls? Probably. No, maybe. Sam scores three points. Yeah, well, I think but, it was when she when she went out of bounds, that would have been at, the point that would have pushed right. Sam into the victory. Right. And that's the whole thing, is that she thinks she won it on her own merits, but, you know, clearly the... Um, you know it was in the bag already uh and so you know that's left up that's left up to deal with for season five this 20 season show that this is going to end up being i do need to talk about sam um now uh, these tv parties we've been going about an hour we're going to go a little bit beyond that one because david just got here and wanted to make sure he gets his fair share Thank but you. also you're welcome <laughs> i love you david yeah i love you too <laughs> um but i do need to talk about sam because Second only to Ralph Macchio's Danny is Sam as the character I feel the, the least sympathy for. And you want to talk about like like father, like daughter. You know, we, we before you came in tonight, Dave, we talked about how no matter how many times the same thing happens, Danny never seems to learn the lesson for more than maybe a few episodes and then promptly forgets it again. I'm reminded of an, a, a, an episode with Sam. You know, her and Tori have been, as Pat alluded to, been at each other's eyeballs and throats for most of the season and she she goes she takes a drive i think it's to santa barbara uh she goes to see her friend and her friend's like you know i went to school and i met these girls and the the whole cycle of bullying was starting up again and i just went and confronted them and it turns out we're best friends you know it's just you know it's like the story i always tell about me on the subway where i i see this girl from class from a semester prior and i and because it's winter and she's all you know you know how it is pat you know, you, you, you got the ski cap on and the coat on, and it's hard to tell uh, without the rest of the features if that's the person you think it is. And so I'm just staring at her on the subway, and I'm staring, I'm staring, I'm staring, and finally I'm just like, hey, do I know you from class? And she turns to me, and she's like, oh, my God, it's you, when we hug. And the guy next to her going, dude, seriously, I almost beat the shit out of you because you were looking at her so mean. I <laughs> thought you were about ready to do something. And I'm like, nope, that's just me trying to figure out if I knew her or not. Um, that sort of misperception of things where if you just would just if two people would just talk to each other they could work things out maybe kind of sort of and that's the lesson sam was supposed to take from that conversation promptly misinterprets the whole thing goes to school the next day and says hey tori up yours which again had someone had someone masterminded and led a home invasion against me No. Aside from just trying to, you know, get my sloppy seconds and assault me with, uh, you know, breast knuckles with spikes on them, I'd probably react the same way. You think you'd be, you think it would be a little take take a little much to get you to forgive them? Take a little bit much. What do you think, David? Yeah, I can totally see where Sam's coming from. I mean, yes, <laughs> wrong decision. You know, wrong lesson learned. Yes, the, yeah, the lesson was supposed to be de-escalation, and she just went full on war. 
<laughs> He's like, you're right. I should kick her ass. That's not what I said. Um, but that's but that's like also a common thing with Sam, where I feel like when given the opportunity to learn the right lesson, she goes and she goes running directly up the down staircase and into traffic. And well, she's a teenage girl. Yes. And like father, like daughter, you can we can make all the excuses yeah. we want, but <laughs> it's talking about the chlorine in that gene pool. Yeah, I it's it's our uncle is Louie, folks. <laughs> so what do you so talk to me about Sam, David? Um I, I've thrown some ideas out there. Add your own, pick apart what I said. Yeah, she she started out, you you, you understand where she's coming from. She's mm-hmm. kind of a level headed sort of you know, upper class girl in school, but yeah, as once Tori enters into the picture, she just kind of goes completely downhill and some of it justified like you know tori mm-hmm. is a, a very scary thing to have coming at you and which once uh, again a- proves my theory all women hate each other <laughs> go on dave okay uh <laughs> speaking of, of being thrown out of whack <laughs> yeah. uh, thanks pat anyway yeah yeah so in the previous season we saw sam sort of coming to grips with the trauma from the, her first mm-hmm. fight with tori and then yeah you had the home invasion at the end which i love amanda still kind of throws shade at, at tori <laughs> for even when she's like oh how nice of you to knock this time <laughs> you remember the way yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah um but uh yeah so so yeah like I, I certainly see where sam's coming from it's just again she she just sort of totally fails to take that lesson of, of, you know, maybe, you know, try and understand her and be friends and work, you know, try, maybe not just be friends, but just try and learn how to get along with each other. And then, and instead she just, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just taking her down. You know, who didn't annoy me this season and it might be the first season where he felt like a human being and not a caricature. No, I want to talk about Hawk next. Dimitri? Dimitri, yeah. Dimitri was great this season. <laughs> you liked him before this for some reason. I liked his portrayal. Oh, Dimitri. Dimitri. I, Dimitri. I liked his portrayal of that asshole kid character of, like, why do I need to learn any of this, you know? Yeah, I'm these... too smart for this, and then yeah. he gets punched. Right. Um, but I, I liked, you know, his confidence. His, his Pac-Man suit cracked me up. Um <laughs> Yeah, That's I, a real thing, by the way. You can actually buy that suit, Pat. I'm not surprised at all. You can buy yeah, also I, an R2D2 one too. Yeah, like, like Dimitri annoyed me a lot at the start, but yeah. I'm, I'm glad that he's progressing the way I hoped he would. Where, like, as he as he learns karate, he he gains that sort of confidence and becomes less of the you know I'm 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 too smart for this and 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 just yeah, like you see him grow and become. Yeah, more of a fleshed out person. So you, yeah, like in this season, he actually's like he's actually making sense and not sounding like a complete twit. Right. It's and a little bit much with with Yasmin. Okay. Bit. Yeah, like that's like I I get the whole them bonding happen. over being outcast, but uh, the 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 level she's into the relationship. Yeah, that's kind of like I that's. I believe an element of fantasy is okay in your fictional television show. Is this now that sitcom writers aren't, you know, fat, middle-aged white guys? This is, it's like nerds who grew up on Cobra Kai, and this is how they see themselves. This is their revenge writing as opposed to, you know, yes. Kevin James being paired with Leah Remini. It, it, or, it, uh, it is almost the nerd fantasy power fulfillment yeah. thing, except that he actually learns how to do physical activity. Yeah, you know, it's so <laughs> like if, if, it, if it was she was, she was attracted to him over his D&D skills, that would have been more the dream. Everybody who has been alive for the past 20 to 30 years has seen Bill Gates and what Bill Gates got. It's fine. Okay. Fucking glee. Anyway, um, 
Fuck. But his, his conversation with like, fine. <laughs> his conversation with uh, Hawk. Well, let me go. Let me go back a second. So Hawk is still having difficulties managing his behavior and not being a bully. Um, he's less of an asshole than he was the previous two seasons, but we're still we're still growing as a human being. And Robbie, having had enough of this uh, and sticking up for Kenny, uh, finds him in the tattoo parlor and shaves his head like you do. And it's a great, it's a great little scene because we talked before about how great Robbie is and what's how sympathetic. Robbie has his moments, and he goes, "Oh, we're not here to fight." And the next thing you see is shaved head. Um, and so, Hawk, so it's yep. And Hawk is uh, Hawk's whole uh, confidence level is just destroyed. As someone that. who lost started losing his hair in high school, I cannot relate. <laughs> I know. Oh, boo-hoo. They shaved off your mohawk, and it's growing back must be so hard for you. As, as someone whose appearance is di- dictated 90% by what he's able to do with his hair, I understand completely. Mm-hmm. Well, Samson. Um, <laughs> so the next bit, you know, after he's been moping uh, for, for a few scenes, Dimitri has this conversation with him and he shows them like their beta boys or whatever the hell the binary brothers or binary brothers. Yeah. He shows them that video and he does say something really great to Hawk. He was just like, you're, you're more than just your haircut. You know, the, the, this stuff, all the stuff that makes you, you and makes you a valuable person is still there. It didn't go away with your haircut. You know, your hair being, your head being shaved. So, you know, pull yourself out of this. You're still my best friend and a valuable human being. And eventually he he does. He's just more mellowed out than he was. And then uh, you missed it before, but then he has the fight with Robbie. And it's just like, oh, Hawk is back. Um, so what else? He did, about... he did get his girl back at by that point, too. That, that's always to make, good. He got to make out with her. We don't know if he got her all the way back, like but it's a start. It's, it's a very positive step. I think yeah. we can all agree. Like he, he was probably feeling like a million bucks after that stepping on. At the, least hundred. Yeah. Anything about Hawk, Dave? Uh, yeah, I, I I love that he won the tournament mm-hmm. for the men's division. I thought that was a nice little upset that worked good for the character. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly, you know, just and and especially at that point where it's Daniel finally realizes that he's being an idiot about the whole Eagle Fang versus yeah. Miyagido thing, and he's just like, you know what, just just go be you and do your thing. You got this. Yep. And, yeah, like it was. You know, yeah, like when he won, why your... it took ten episodes to get there, I'll never know. But go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. Like, like the moment where, oh, one of the best moments of the show when when he goes all uh, Johnny on uh, on his on his kid in the room, like just you know, smash that iPad, cut. Yep. Yeah, we talked about that earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Can, can, can Zapka get like a special award for being able to do that quiet thing? Because I've been trying for days and I just can't get. Can't deal with, like <laughs> you practice on the dog, quiet. Uh-huh. Um, anything else about Hawk Pat? Uh, a guy who is probably my least favorite character, other than Stingray, obviously. Um, <laughs> the but Hawk was probably my least favorite character of the main characters that we see right. introduced through the course of this series because he's so one dimensional. Whether it's you know Lip Kid who was picked on and then all of a sudden becomes Hawk and now he's right. just that dimension. There's nothing there. This was a good exploration of like how he's established his confidence through this means. They you know what completely... this feels like? Feels like Oz season four. By uh, by the time you get to Oz season four, everybody feels like a person. Nobody just feels like dressing and background characters or plot devices anymore. Yeah, and I, if we're gonna go Oz, I'll compare him a little bit to Beecher, where he was this meek, you know, complete bully target. Where mm-hmm. you know he was picked on for his lip, and you know. 
nobody, you know, tattooed a swastika on his rear end, but, you know, figuratively they did when they clipped his mohawk off, right. you know. It's almost the same time where, you know, Schillinger first sexually assaults Beecher. But over the course of that series, Beecher becomes, you know, a man in his own right and is able to manipulate things. He's able to physically assault Schillinger mm-hmm. and permanently leave him with his eye damage. Um, so you have this meek one-note character who's there to take a beating and make you feel bad for the circumstances around him. Turns the tables and then you're like, I don't like this guy because he's doing some messed up stuff. Like he had Hank Schillinger killed in Oz. We're seeing, you know, Hawk just be a bully and a shithead to people. Now that he's had his humanity stripped away again a little bit, he has to find what it is he's looking for. So it's almost the hope spot where Beecher is going to get paroled and he meets this nice, you know, legal aid that's working with him and stuff. And I won't spoil where that goes because we haven't gotten there with Hawk yet. Nowhere good. (laughs) But, you know, Hawk's finding a little bit of purpose in himself where he, you know, finds his best friend who's encouraging him and egging him on and finally gets him to come back to karate. Not to Eagle Fang, but Mm. to Miyagi-Do because he doesn't want to – be the strike first aggressor anymore. He just wants to do something he likes and is good at, found confidence in and feels this is the best way to do it with his best friend. Then on top of that, this girl that he was with starts to push him back up the hill again. And it's okay. I'm feeling good about myself. His arc is so much more satisfying than Dimitri's to me for the same reasons. It's just done three times better with Hawk. Definitely Hawk gets talks art gets a lot more attention than Dimitri's. All right, guys, um, I'm more or less done with this season. Um, We've been at this for about an hour and 10 minutes now, so I'm going to leave it to you, Dave. You came in late. I'm sure you had an agenda of things you wanted to talk about, so the floor is yours. Okay, well, I think what what I'm noticing in Cobra Kai, especially this season, is a lot in it about sort of redemption and personal growth, sort of seeing how, how, yeah, like a lot of the kids especially go from being, you know, like the bullied to bullies themselves or gaining that sort of, like middle path of confidence, sort of you know knowing when to fight, when not to, mm-hmm. uh, and you know yeah some of some of those arcs are kind of getting to and then like you know Miguel I think he's kind of made his journey through getting his you know karate you know morality balance sorted out so you know now he has to go and do the father thing, um, but uh, yeah I, I appreciate at least with Daniel and Johnny that they're, it's they're, they're not fighting over the original all valley tournament anymore mm-hmm. that now it's just their sort of philosophies towards karate and you know offense versus defense and daniel's reveration for mr miyagi versus johnny's just you know this works for me attitude and sort of yeah it shows how they can both be complimentary to one mm-hmm. another and you know like, it was kind of frustrating for me because like i'm pretty sure by the second episode you both you know er- everyone watching this knows that that's going to be the moral of the story so watching these two grown men struggle for 10 episodes to figure it out is just a bit like, you know, get on with it. it, it it's like the will they won't they romance in every like, you know, team detective show. It's like, look, I know you're going to get married by the end of the show. Just do it. Imagine the 15th season of the Big Bang Theory that I had to watch watching Penny and Leonard. Like, oh, my yeah. God, just fuck already. Yeah. <laughs> get it over yeah. with. Yeah, exactly. It's like, come on, you're in a wedding dress on the season eight box set. I know where this is going. <laughs> But uh, yeah, what what surprised me probably more than anything was Crease this season. He did he didn't get a lot to do, but uh, like him at the end where you know he's supposed to give Tori the no mercy pep talk, and then he kind of just looks over at Johnny and goes like, "Huh, the last time I did it, I ended up almost choking out my favorite student." And Maybe I should try something else this time. Well, I, I, and I'm glad you brought that up because Pat and I talked. Pat and I started to allude to it at the beginning. I said I got to come back to this, and I, I never we never did. So. <clears throat> So, 
Pat and I were in kind of a disagreement about him backing off the win at all cost mentality with Tori. And I said, you know, not for nothing, but he's, I mean, how many times do they have to show the flashback of him choking Johnny before he comes to the realization that he may have gone a bit too far and it not only cost him everything, but it cost him his favorite son. Yeah. The, his like, favorite son is still feuding with him. Yeah, it, like this, the, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Like the problem with Kreese is you never know when he's being honest or when he's just bullshitting to you mm-hmm. know, win at any cost. So, so I think this was sort of the moment where you realize that he actually, when he talks about how much he, he valued and loved Johnny, he was probably being honest, at least in his own mind. Oh, it, how it, how it, that how that manifested itself in his treatment of Johnny? Very different, and yeah, maybe there, there's a bit of retconning there. But it well, sounds like in this version of Crease, he, he kind of is a bit more like, yeah, like I really screwed this kid up, and maybe I don't want to do that again. I think in in, in Crease's wildest dreams, it's him and Johnny running Cobra Kai. Yeah, and that's still a place he wants to get to, and is utterly unseated by the machinations of Terry Silver. Yeah, but uh, uh, go ahead, Pat. You, you and feel I like you're biting the bit here. I hate it so much because at a certain point, not every bad guy needs to have a sympathetic backstory. <laughs> and we talked about this yeah. with Disney stories where they're you know, doing this with Maleficent and Cruella and all that. No, sometimes bad is just bad and it doesn't need an explanation, guys. Yeah, someone's you, people are just bastards and have, that's just that. We don't have to do the shitty Spider-Man, no way, whatever crap. Oh, we can cure them and make them good. Yeah. No, nobody wants to see John Kreese be a good guy. I want to see the asshole John Kreese, who's a bully and a thug and just got screwed by the demon he brought back to try to save his own rear end and got screwed by. This is this is the, the person sacrificing their soul to a demon without realizing the consequences and getting their comeuppance for it, and rightfully so. I don't you don't want to think re- there's value in the characterization of Kreese as somebody who loved Johnny like a son, lost him, and is trying to figure out a way back? No, what? absolutely not. It's okay. so much more valuable where he's just the machination of evil and a tool that was used for a certain point in time where now, okay, we're through with this arc. He can rot in jail. I'm hoping he rots in jail, but they're probably going to bring him back and try to have some sort of redemption, which sucks. I, and let's move on to the next big bad, which is Terry Silver. Okay. I respectfully disagree, but that's fine. David, you want to finish weighing in here on what we're talking about? Yeah, just I'm I'm curious to see where Kreese goes. Like, yeah, will it be the yeah, predictable redemption arc through him being in prison, or are they going to kind of take it another way? They, they are pretty decent at, at, at swerving from time to time where you think it's going in one direction, then then, then it goes a, a different way, much like you know, Sam uh, totally failing to, uh, <laughs> to, to to bury the hatchet with Dory. Grasp a, rel- a rather elementary lesson that was being stated rather simply. Anyway, all right. Oh, um, Sam, Sam does have my favorite line of the show that doesn't come from Terry Silver, where after she loses the fight to Tori, she said, you know, we did things the right way, and we still lost. Yeah. So I do think that's going to be an interesting point of where do they go from here, because, again, mm-hmm. we find out – they don't find out, but we find out that Terry Silver paid off the referee to ensure that Cobra Kai was going to win that match, and thus the big tournament trophy out of all of them. And it, it's one of those things where – because Sam has drifted closer to the Johnny teaching this season than Daniel definitely likes, but she's able to successfully embrace a lot of elements of it. Where's this going to push her next season? Which I like the exploration of that too. Well, here's the thing. We, and we have kind of a 902 and 0 problem here. Miguel, Tori, um, who's he, what's he there? Robbie. Uh, Robbie's already out of school. Oh, um, okay. Sam, they've got to be close to graduating from high school now. 
Like, I, I don't know. And, you know, people people need to go to college. It's like... Tori <laughs> looked like the most expensive call girl in Los Angeles at this fucking <laughs> time. Like, we ain't passing for 18 much longer, boys. No, not a, not a very old looking. Her and her and Derry, Debbie Ryan need to be doing like a not adult in the X-rated sense, but like pictures for you know where they play adults. Not not you cannot cast Debbie Ryan nor Peyton List, and I bring them up because they were both on the same show together uh, on Jesse. But they they these these are both women who no longer pass for teenagers, not by a long stretch. Um, last thing, and the very very last thing, and then we're gonna close up. So Daniel is kneeling by Miyagi's grave and he's, you know, kind of giving his goodbye speech there. And like, you know, I, I, I cannot honor an agreement with dishonorable men and we must, we must do the thing. Cobra Kai may not, you know, must not exist. And I must figure out a way out of this mess. And then he's like, will you help me? And he turns and what's his name? Cho? Chosen. Chosen. Yeah. Wow. Did I not see that coming at all? I'm like, I'm like, because from the way they shot it, like, oh, Who's what surprise do they have in short? I'm trying to think of like who's left. <laughs> like, unless it's the ghost of no, Harold Ramis or you know Miyagi, I don't know who else they could put in this thing. So, um, Hillary Swank, you... <laughs> yeah, she's no. a girl, you know. Um, if Hillary Swank shows up, this no one will watch that season. I certainly won't. Yeah, that'll be the end of Cobra Kai, and I think they're smart enough to know that. Um, no Hillary Swank. So, Dave, um, what do you think of that reveal? What do you think they're going to do with it? Um, kind of last licks here, and then we're done. Uh, yeah, like the 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 chosen reveal. Uh, I mean, it was it was okay. It was you know, like okay, like we have another guy here. I, what I thought was more interesting was just Daniel saying, "I'm I'm backing out of the agreement," because mm-hmm. you know, like like the, the, this whole series is based on we decide everything based on who wins the tournament, and now it's Daniel throwing that out the window. Right. And so, also, again, they don't know the dishonorable means by which they lost the tournament. Yeah. They're just and like, doing it on the assumption they lost on the honor system. Yeah, so it's like even if, if, if like Tori does what we what you know the obvious thing and eventually it comes forward that yeah it was rigged and she didn't win. You know, even then like Daniel doesn't know that when he's backing out of the bet. So like from this point on, he sort of established that you know we're not doing this based on tournament anymore. Like so, how are we going to settle these differences? Will it really be just you know we beat each other till one of us doesn't get up anymore? Although he he is cheating and using a loophole by using Chozen as if he's gonna now have Chozen as a sensei for a new you know not necessarily Miyagi Do but some other name and Chozen is gonna be the one to teach you know the secret Miyagi nerve techniques and all these things. Yeah, wasn't that incredibly convenient that technique? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anyway, now now we got like two rich guys using karate schools and kids to fight their ancient karate battle. So I need more. I need and more of Amanda calling out the absurdity of all that. Mark, I will say the last thing. You said who's left. There's speculation that based on a throwaway line from Tori's aunt about her father having a you know quick temper, there's a lot of thought that Sean Kanan will reprise his role from Karate Kid Part 3 as Mike Barnes, the tournament terror who Terry Silver and Crease enlist as the hitman to take out Daniel. Uh, there has been no confirmation of this, mind you, but there's the thought process that Mike Barnes is the father of Tori's character. Okay, like sure. like when, when when Kenny was introduced, I almost thought he was like you know Jaden Smith's brother from the divorce, and then it's like <laughs> oh, okay, they're 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 not quite bringing that in. But could you imagine if they brought Jackie Chan into all this? <laughs> like holy smokes, we're starting a cinematic universe here. Well, if he comes through a portal, I'll accept it. <laughs> I, I think I think that'll be the last season there. It's like yeah. okay, guys, I think we've 
Shark jumped. We're done. Yep. All right. Speaking of, we're done. Um, I, this continues to be a very well written show. I very much enjoy it. It's a, it's an easy binge, especially because of the length of the episodes. But also, like, there's no down. There's no downtime. There's no drag. There's no especially since the first season. There's nothing in it that where I'm like, Ugh, I don't care about the storyline. I'm very much invested in all these characters and where they're going. I just and I, I said it before, and I'll and I'll say it again. This will be the last thing I say. Ralph Macchio's character is an uphill struggle to feel sympathy for, and that is the mm-hmm. hardest person for me to like in this entire show. Even Sam has her moments. So, um, all right. That's all for Cobra Kai Season 4. Um, Dave, I think you are back this Thursday for The Witcher. Along with Pat, are you going to be on for The Witcher also? Uh, that is the plan at the moment. Okay. 10 o'clock, Thursday night, Eastern Standard. It's going to be 97 of us. It's actually going to be all you guys, and I'm just going to sit and watch you talk. Oh, God damn it. 10 o'clock? Nope, I'm out. Oh, you are? Yeah. Okay. Well, then it'll be Robert Winfrey, Ronnie Adams, David Wright, and myself without Pat Mullen. Sorry, yeah, Pat. Yeah, you guys will be fine. Uh, yeah, we will be. This is a lot of people. Um, so real quick, what have you thought of season two so far of The Witcher? Uh. I watched most of it. I'm not going to lie. I fell asleep during a lot of this stuff for Yennefer and her mm-hmm. uh, escape through, you know, Elfland. Um, the stuff with Cavill, I get to watch and not be bored with. But mm-hmm. I think a lot of it, you know, they did eight episodes. I'm not saying they can condense it because they really can't because they have to tell Yennefer's story. But they didn't tell it well. It missed a lot of action beats for me. And I fell asleep on multiple parts of her story and had no desire to go back and rewatch. Cool. Glad we got that in. So now you don't feel you feel like you're missing out on the show. All right. Um, speaking of Pat Mullen, um, Pat Mullen will, in fact, be back in two weeks. Uh, we'll be doing the Mania of WrestleMania. That's going to be a big show, too. <clears throat> the Mania of WrestleMania 14, 15, and 16. It's going to be 10 a.m. Thursday, January 27th. That'll be him, uh, Chris Bailey, who will be back from his Christmas hi- hiatus, and Stuart. From 401 Mania. Stuart Lang. Uh, yeah, Stuart Lang. Looking forward to that. Somewhere along. Oh, yeah. Okay, here we go. February 3rd will be the next chapter in the Four Kings of Boxing. It'll be Hagler and Duran and Hearns and Duran. So that'll be a fun show to do. Um, and then David Wright, uh, after The Witcher, the next time you're on, it will be for Agretzko. And that's going to be February 6th. So that's what we got going on there. Uh, tomorrow... We are reviewing the 355, plus uh, there'll be a re-air of our Scream franchise review, part two. Uh, there'll be an unspoken issues for the first arc of Carnage. We'll be reviewing the new Volbeat, plus myself and Neil Blackwood, I believe his last name is, from uh, Movies That movies that Don't Suck and Some That Do. Uh, I was a guest on their show. He's coming on TV Party to review AEW Battle of the Belts. Uh, Alexis Haina and I will be reviewing Hit Monkey from Hulu and the aforementioned Witcher show. Uh, and then that's it. This weekend, we've got a re-airing of Everyone Loves a Bad Guy for Freddy Krueger, the West Tr- Craven tribute from when he passed away. And then we have our two-part retrospective on the Nightmare on Elm Street series going into next week. So hope you'll stay tuned for that. All right. Um, unless you've got anything, David. David, David, David. No, I think you've covered all of it. All right. For Pat Mullen, for David Wright, I'm Mark Rattledge. Be well. No, wait a minute. Damn it. You know what would have been great in this series, guys, before we go? Some exit. Grammarly? How do we get such a thing? No, we've already done Grammarly. Keep up. 
Um, you know, um, you know what was missing in this season, Pat? Some outro music, which is funny because Terry Silver, by the way, is the only villain in the series to have his own theme. But where can I hear that theme? You can hear that theme, Pat Mullen, on AmazonMusic.com. And we just have to be giving away a free 30-day trial of the Amazon Music Unlimited service at GetAmazonMusic.com slash W2M Network. All right, I finally got that in there. All right, so once again, thank you for joining us here on TV Party Tonight. For Pat Mullen and David Wright, I'm Mark Rattledge. Be well, be safe, and behave.